Bookshelf, Disney Animation Studios Library, the podcast where we, as in TC and I, uh-huh. sit and watch a whole bunch of Disney movies because we thought it'd be fun to do for about a year and a half. And it has been. And it will continue it to be. Been. Oh, it's been a blast, TC. <laughs> I am Jeff, and as I have already mentioned, that is TC. Hello, TC. I am TC. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, these last couple episodes of this show are just falling apart so it's, quickly. It's it's goofy like, you know, like senioritis when high schoolers are like getting to their last semester and they just start goofing off. Cuz we yeah, we've like, taken eh, this very seriously up to this point. We came into this <laughs> oh, yes. very critically, very analytically minded. Uh we never mispronounced names. We never misquoted never. anything. We never. We were just had, never misinformed in general yeah, yeah. about a person. This has been and their relationship to another person in a movie. This has just been very professional, and uh, you know. But now, but now we're reaching just, the end of things. What What did we do today? Yeah. <laughs> well, today, everybody, we watched the nineteen. Oh, sorry, wow, nineteen. 19. Come on. <laughs> oh. You know, I think I'm just going to stop the show altogether. No, we watched the 2016 movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to say 1996. The 2016 movie, number 55 on our list, Zootopia. Zootopia, that's right. Number 55. Now, I believe there's two in 2016, right? Because Moana will also be in yes. 2016. Yes, exactly. Big Hero 6, last week's episode was the was in uh, November of 2014, mm-hmm. so this was the first time, and I think we brought that up yep. last time, uh, this was the first time in, what, almost like 15, 16 movies where we skipped, we skipped Disney a year. skipped yeah. a year. Yeah, and, and... Otherwise, for, Disney was cranking them out once a year. For, a go- for good reason, because the movie we got was not the movie they started. So Which, you know what, makes complete sense. When I watch this movie, <laughs> well, I, I I'm happy with the movie we got, and I'm and I'm very mm-hmm. fascinated by the fact that the movie was it started out as something different, and we'll we'll get into our review in a moment here, but it's worth mentioning mm-hmm. up front that this is a product of shifting the entire production halfway. They didn't shut it down; they just took the feedback from their test screenings and realized that they had the wrong protagonist. This movie was originally about Nick Wilde, the snarky fox, and they realized that was not a very likable character compared to Judy Hopps, the eager, young, upstart cop. And they they pivoted the entire movie midway through production, brought in two new directors so that they could still get this thing done in a reasonable amount of time, um, and bumped uh, Joe Buck, I think his name was, was down to. Oh, I better get that right. I don't want anyone to be mad that I said the wrong director. Um, and they and they re. <laughs> yeah, you better get it right, TC. <laughs> they reallocated assets. They 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 shifted the entire narrative. They created a whole new script and got gave us the Zootopia that we ended up seeing. And that's very interesting to me because we have seen this before to to varying degrees of success, especially with Laster involved shifting Bolt. Um, we saw a, a mad dash to, uh, a, um, to switch Chicken Little, so you have a successful shift and a, some would argue a rather unsuccessful shift in, in the product that we ended up getting. Uh, Zootopia, as we will discuss for the next hour or so, TBD <laughs> if that was a successful shift. Um, but yes, yeah, so Jeff, had you seen this movie before? 
I had seen this film once before. This uh, so watching it because uh, I, I always watch this the, usually the day before we record our podcast mm-hmm. episodes. But uh, I watched this film uh, probably about well, I guess it's only a couple years old. So I watched it maybe right after it came out on video. I didn't watch it in theaters, mm-hmm. but I had seen it one other time, and I remember thinking. At that first time, I, I was a little confused as to what the movie, wh- like what the what the audience was supposed to be for this film, okay. you know, and just kind of confused about some of the tone, uh, the tonal moments of the film. I, I, su- I suppose because it didn't feel, it didn't feel to me like a Disney movie, mm-hmm. like like or what I guess I was expecting, especially coming off of stuff like Wreck It Ralph and Big Hero Six and, and Frozen, particularly and Frozen, yeah, one, yeah. Yeah, particularly Frozen at that point. And then you get to this one, and you're just kind of like, oh, that's not... Okay. Interesting. <laughs> so, But I didn't know if... Uh, and we'll, obviously, well, yeah, we'll, we'll go into more of that in a little bit. But I didn't know if my opinion of it was just a first-viewing confusion. Like, maybe maybe I just misunderstood it, or maybe I missed something in the film mm-hmm. on that first viewing, and, a, and some time away from it, and a second viewing would help. And... Uh, uh, spoilers. Uh, unfortunately, it, it didn't. Oh, all right, interesting. Well, I I'm, I want to I want to start with a complaint right here, and this will lead into okay. more conversation I'd like to have here. But uh, and I know Brad on our Facebook page comments about this as well. Why did they have to have a musical number to end this with the credits like a freaking DreamWorks movie? It's the it's the thing that bugs me the most about this movie is that I know that's a very weird thing, but as anyone who's listened to this <laughs> podcast, you know how I feel about the tropes of DreamWorks and the fact that TC has a love of all <laughs> things DreamWorks and Katzenberg, if you guys haven't told us that. It, so. It's the it feels like the trope that DreamWorks has, which is you end with a pop song, every all the characters dancing, right? It's not as obnoxious mm-hmm. as something like uh, I'm a Believer or the Minions dancing or the Trolls singing. like It's not that exactly, but it still has that, that it feels out of place that that's how they chose to end this movie. When you look at the, I love the closing credits to Big Hero 6, which is contextual. It builds out the universe in the closing five minutes of the credits. If you look at Tangled, where they recant the adventure, recount the adventure with uh, the illustrations of the storyboards and whatnot, they have such a ripe and huge world in Zootopia. To end it at just a, a Shakira concert or Gazelle concert was... That's that very. That's a big disappointment for me, and I, I'm 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 making that complaint up front because I okay. I I did see this in theaters. This wraps around to to my question to you, and I recall being skeptical about this movie uh, because their advertisement campaign felt very DreamWorks. So you had a smug fox taking a selfie in the original teaser for this, and it. it it struck me as very non-Disney feeling uh, mm-hmm. at the time, and it wasn't until they did their they did their uh, quote unquote full trailer, but which was a, a, a it's kind of a standard of Disney now where they just release a scene from the movie and that's their right. teaser. Um, they had right. done that with Frozen, where Olaf had a whole thing just being a snowman and come see the movie. Um, Big Hero Six. The way they did it was the police officer, uh, the scene where he's putting the tape on his, uh, where Baymax is putting the tape on his 
uh, arms, right? <laughs> we'll we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to have to come back to that because we realized something after we recorded last week. Uh, after we finished recording last week's episode that we completely didn't talk about for Big Hero Six. Um, but uh, what what uh, Zootopia ended up doing was they showed the sloth scene was their advertisement, and this this is a type of comedy that you're either on board with or you hate. There's no middle ground for torture humor, and torture humor is a joke <laughs> that goes so long it's not funny, and then swings back around to being funny again because they committed to the length of it. And yep. as soon as I saw that trailer, I was like, okay, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll give this out. We'll see. We'll see. I'm still a little worried that this might come off not Disney enough uh, with, with, with how they're advertising it. But I, once watching the movie, I was really impressed by the content that, that uh, coming with, with the advent of the Black Lives Matter movement, talking about um, anti-bullying and inclusion, prejudice, racism, classism. This, they addressed elements in this movie that I, don't, I cannot think of. An, in, this, in this capacity, I can't think of another American-produced animated film that has done something like this. And I was impressed and- by that. Okay. <laughs> and what and what the one thing I sorry I did not mean to just end the entire awesomeness that you just said with an okay uh, that wasn't what I meant at all and and but but you brought up a good point because it is and I do want to make that clear if you know even for my for my opinion as well regarding this film I'm not a big fan of the movie and it's mostly because I could not wrap my head around just who the audience was for for this and mm-hmm. why they did it the way they did it and you can definitely it's very clear i i watched the movie with my girlfriend meg uh again she she unfortunately missed frozen i think that was on purpose <laughs> but she um i watched it with her and she had never seen it it was her first viewing oh, okay and she pointed out all of those moments all of those like wow that you know like the whole like judy's comment uh that uh that Bunny is a word that they that she can call herself. Right, right. But everybody a, a bunny, else can't. a bunny can call another bunny cute. That, but when a, when a nor, when anyone yes. else does it, oh, and then Clawhouse is like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, right, yeah. like like she pointed out that she went, oh wow, okay, that's what we're doing in this movie, and we kept finding all the times that they they did that, mm-hmm. and it's it's. It's one, in my opinion, it's one thing for that sort of thing to be in a movie. It's good to draw attention to it. Well, it's it's good to draw attention to like, like you know, like race issue or class issues or anything along those lines. It's good to do that. But I felt like this movie just kept piling it on, just constantly. Also, I really feel like this movie didn't know that it was supposed to be a kids comedy, and decided to make an adult uh, adult uh, crime movie from the late eighties, early nineties. <laughs> Well, I, I I would question you Just in that, saying. Jeff. Where where have we ever seen a movie in this entire library that is just a kids movie? Oh, and that's the th- and that and that's true. And I'm not saying like I'm not saying that this movie needed to be this cutesy little film about a bunny that becomes like a police officer. I just I felt like they they leaned more towards a non-kid film because okay here's like here's the thing here's the one we've and we've addressed it we've talked about it before in the in this podcast but we get you know you get a lot of kids movies that have adult jokes or adult references that the adults are going to get Mm -hmm. and they're only going to get and it makes the adults it makes the adults laugh and a lot of times the kids might chuckle at it but they won't they're not laughing at it for the same reason as the adults do right 
this this movie to me honestly felt like it was 90% adult jokes and references and 10% kid stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, and I think yeah. that might have just threw me for a loop while watching the film both times. I, I actually have notes about this very subject. I was I didn't think we'd get to this quickly in the show, but it's I, I will <laughs> I will jump on this as well. I don't okay. feel like that this is a classic Disney movie. In a, a classic Disney family film, it does not have a the majority of the elements that make the classic films feel classic. That being said, that there there is something that I really admire about this movie that it was that it did so directly uh, address prejudice and racism and classism uh, that they they did a a drug smuggling um, uh, character assassination cop drama with anthropomorphic yep. animals. That that the 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 social commentary of this movie we have not seen a lot of if any like hardly at all in this library we I go back to our conversation we had for Fox and the Hound episode Fox and the Hound mm-hmm. came out during during a very uh, very tense time in American history uh, we did the we did the review at a very full of a very uh, crucial point in American race uh, history and. And the social commentary in that film is there, and it's pretty darn blatant, and it's pretty darn effective. And uh, with Zootopia, I feel the same way, that they they didn't shy away from having these. And that is something that is going to turn people off or draw people in. It's something that's going to... Uh, the movie's been praised for and oftentimes what it's been criticized for. I'm gathering from just this short conversation we've had so far that you felt hammered over the head by it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas, whereas I, I found it uh, impressive that they were willing to find a way to address these issues uh, indirectly or rather uh, as directly or indirectly as they could without being, I never felt hammered over the head by it in so much as I know what they're saying. Like, I get, oh, Token Bunny. I got it. You're right. Right. I get it. Uh, That is a very on-the-nose thing to say, but being socially aware of that sort of um, uh, societal structure in America, I don't know if someone who would would get that as quickly, I'm trying to say, what's the nicest way to say it? I don't think dumb people are going to catch on to it. All right, so just to put it as blatantly as possible, I don't feel like that social commentary is as obvious to people who aren't socially conscious, maybe. Um, okay. But okay. but to, to, to swing it back around, because of that, because they, they so uh, lean into those themes, those very heavy and deep themes that this country has faced time and time again and continues to face to this day, uh, I, I, I think that, sorry, I think that affects whether or not this movie is viewed as a classic family film or not. And I don't think, I don't think it can be for, for those reasons, but I'm praising it for those reasons. You see where I'm coming from here, Jeff? <laughs> yeah. And I get it. I, Cause what, what we have is we have, a, we have a much more mature Disney film than what we have seen in, I mean, as of late, at least, at least as of like the last 15 or so films that were on this list. We've we've definitely had that kind of like redevelopment and trying to figure out some new stuff and you know Disney trying to to kind of find their way again and we do have some very deep and emotional stories and films that we've watched but 
we haven't had one like this. No, no. I, I mean, I don't even actually. I'm, t- I'm trying to think, like, even if we've had one like this on the list, period. No, I, I, I yeah. don't. I the closest I can think of is Fox and the Hound in terms of talking yeah. so directly about social issues, um, right? While while still finding a fun way to approach it in terms of making it an '80s '90s cop drama. <laughs> uh, to- yeah, and 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 don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the fact that it was that type of, or that it was. That that's what they were referencing. The fact that there's a there's there's literally a ten minute Godfather spoof in the middle of this film. <laughs> yeah. But then like I don't know what ten minutes prior there's a scene where a sloth talks very slowly and is completely ridiculous. And oh, silly. I see. Okay. But the fact you're that finding the you find some you're looking at the tonal inconsistency of of that. Well, I mean it's 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 just it's weird. But I do I do appreciate what they were doing with the film. With it being that approach, I just, it's so weird and it feels so out of place for Disney to go this far in mm-hmm. to the 90s cop drama. The, the you know, the, the uh, unfortunately, and this is kind of, this we're all over the place for this week's episode, but <laughs> meh, I don't care. Uh, senior writers, man. But the, the, the biggest thing is the, is, um, and see, now I just lost my own train of thought with that. Should not have interrupted myself, but... <laughs> Uh, the, the, um, oh, dang. This, I'll let you think about it. This is the antithesis of the animated sequences in the not part of this library Song of the South. Uh, Song of the South doing the Briar Rabbit sequences and the animated sequences in that half animated, half half live action film is very deep Southern, uh, cliches. Uh, and racist <laughs> to have a, a character like Briar Rabbit get tricked by a, I'm going to say it, tar baby. Jeez, yeah. Disney, what were you thinking? Holy cow. And, and highly, highly criticized. It's one of the, the stains on the Disney, on the Disney uh, studio. It's not part of this library. I haven't got a tweet about that in a long time. Um, but <laughs> People finally gave up. <laughs> this is the antithesis of that because a lot of the criticisms that Song of the South is given in terms of what they completely ignored and what they what they did so wrong, Zootopia addressed a direct, directly to essentially create race, race, race issues with these anthropomorph, anthropomorphic animals was... Their intent, they somewhere along the line when they switched from the the movie it was going to be to the movie that it is, they decided, let's let's say something, let's make this about more than just a bunny cop and a and a con man fox, which could have been a perfectly fine movie, but in this revival era, trying to 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 set themselves apart from their contemporaries, even setting themselves apart from from Pixar. I applaud them for doing this because when you look at the Pixar films, I, the one that seems to have the most social commentary is the worst one, mm-hmm. and it's it's Cars 2. Cars 2 is about oil, and that's not a great movie. Pixar, Pixar's strength lies in their psychological conversations and their emotional conversations. And right. by Zootopia addressing societal uh talking points it sets themselves this does not feel like a pixar movie and it continues that trend that disney is creating in this revival era of of having their own voice and to to a degree of success that this movie has um i I, if this hadn't come out the same year as moana it probably would have won best picture easily 
Um, did it win Best right. Picture? I better I better check that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, as far as I'm aware of, it did not win Best Picture. I believe um, Moana did. It's yeah. I think Moana did. Yeah. Oh wait. Checking, checking, no, checking. Zootopia won it. I am wrong. It won. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that it won, yeah, it won the Academy Award, Golden Globe, Critics Cho- okay. Choice Award, and Annie Award for Best Animated Feature. Do, do your fact checking before you say things, TC. Who are you? Yeah. Who's in my room? <laughs> Whose voice was that? But that being said, I it, it's a perfectly timely film. This there was no better time for this movie to come out and talk about these things than than 2016, and I and I feel like it still resonates with people, though it. To go back to what I said, it's not a classic, and it won't be a classic because it doesn't no. have – it's too complex. It's doing too much, and it's trying to say too much to the detriment of this being a movie that is whimsical and fun. It, this feels like a backhanded compliment, but if it was a simpler film, if it maybe had some musical numbers that weren't Shakira – I don't like Shakira. To, <laughs> I, I don't like Shakira to begin with, so I think that's why I don't like – Although the lyrics well, to that Alex, song, that lyrics to that song are really good. <laughs> see, and you know who was one of the main writers on it? No. Sia. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Which, well, I was, <laughs> quick, quick side tangent or a quick tangent there. We were because Meg and I were sitting watching the end of this movie, and when the song came up, she went, "Shakira singing this." And I went, "Yeah." I'm like, "I'm not," and I said pretty much the same thing as you did. I'm like, "I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge Shakira fan," but I don't know. There's something about it that's kind of catchy. It's and then it was the credit that came up, and it's like it was written by Sia. She went, "Oh, Sia wrote it." I went, "That's why that's I why like, you it. like it." Because <laughs> I like Sia. It's catchy. She writes catchy music. I'm like, "Oh, makes sense now. I get it." <laughs> well, uh, the the fact that yeah. this this movie has a distinct voice continues through this era uh, that we're in now and it's and it's we're, we're so fresh out of this it's hard to to look at this through any sort of nostalgia which is certainly the right. the problem not the problem but the something we've had to consider in watching these movies because they're so new that it's yeah because no, I was saying for the record, this movie came out li- like from when we were recording this episode, literally just over two months ago or two years ago. Two, yeah, <laughs> two months ago. We're from the okay. <laughs> Ooh, um, we recorded this episode first. <laughs> well, let's let's look at let's let's move away from just the broad strokes of this and let's get a little more uh, into the some of the details of this. Of of uh, I I certainly want to keep hearing from you, Jeff, about the things you didn't like per se, because it's it mm-hmm. sounds like you're you're far more critical of the movie than I'm I am right now. Um, so let's I'm just gonna jump at my first note here. This oh, with the opening play is this might be the best exposition dump I've ever seen. <laughs> In it, it's not it's not an omniscient yeah, narrator reading a book. They don't they don't establish it through some song and dance number. It's just this little girl telling all the exposition you need to set up the universe. My favorite part is the kid playing the piano and doing the sound design. Yes. That part is... That kid stole the show for me and stole that first five minutes of the film. Because I just... I kept waiting for them to come back to him. I'm like, what's he going to do this time? What faces is he going to make? Let's come on, come back. It's great. I love that. I love that sequence where it establishes the universe and then establish... Uh, the the journey that Judy Hopps is going to go on is her conversation with her parents and getting scratched in the face by uh, Gideon Gray, the fox. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, the, I, structurally, it's great. It's a uh, she stands up for a sheep against a fox at the beginning of the movie. Um, and at the end of the movie, she stands up for a fox against a sheep. That's some great uh, right. call and response right there. Um, I, I will say this. 
going back just briefly, you know, all the stuff we talked about about just like the tone of this film and the the topics that it covers. If anything, the first five minutes of this film definitely sets the stage for the, how this movie is going to be. Yeah. Because we get that that opening play. First off, that opening play that little Judy did, <laughs> I am very surprised there was not a teacher in that school that went, maybe, maybe, can we see this before you put it on? Just have, like, we feel like this, we have a note. It, we have a couple notes it's here. It's the, uh, the talent show moment from The Simpsons where the little kid goes out and they're like, my dingling, my dingling. <laughs> yeah. All right, the song is over. <laughs> <laughs> it's like nobody checked this beforehand. Hey, great production <laughs> but, value. But, but having said that, it that sequence, and then yeah, the scene where she she stands up for the sheep and gets gets attacked and basically gets cut, you know, mm-hmm. by the, the the fox character. That definitely that sets the, that sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Because if you went into this thinking it's going to be a little kids movie, yeah, which. You know, in theory, you know, you kind which that's some that's that's what I was on my way of talking about when I forgot earlier. But, I <laughs> but you know, a lot of Disney movies you go into it going like, oh, this is supposed to be for kids. I should be able to show uh, like a three and a four year old this movie, and they're gonna they should they should hopefully enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. But there's a there is just a a tone for that first five ten minutes that's a lot more intense and a lot darker in a degree, than you usually get in a Disney movie. Now, I'm not saying that Disney movies don't have dark moments. You know, Aladdin, or in the opening sequence of, or the, yeah, in the opening sequence of Aladdin, when Jafar lets that, that <laughs> poor thief guy basically died. die inside ah. of the cave. Like, dang. Hey, go, you can go further. Look at dark, the, the opening know? of Tarzan. You get to see the cheetah kill the parents, and a, ba- yeah. a baby dies. <laughs> a baby ape dies. Yeah. <laughs> um, you get that. You get those moments. But this this film definitely just, that, it, 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 did not mess around. It wanted you to know, like, nope, not a normal Disney movie. Mm-hmm. We're going a little darker with this, so you know, prepare yourself. And they went but to having said that, it, very well done. It is very well done in what it does. It does. It does set the stage for everything. Literally, it sets yeah. the stage for everything <laughs> that's going to play out in the film, even the comedy, because there are there are some good highbrow jokes in this. Uh, the the parents talking about, you know. Uh, uh, um, geez, I totally just blanked on the joke I was gonna reference, but there's, there's, this movie background-wise, I don't know if there's more complex uh, backgrounds of looking at all the details hidden in the, in the signs and what characters are doing. It's, it's an impressive amount of work, detail work, uh, happening in the backgrounds of things. But the, the comedy of this, despite its, its heavy content at the very beginning, there, there's some really good jokes in this. Um, even there's also a lot of visual gags like those visual jokes there's a lot of puns yes of products oh and yeah food <laughs> and things like I, I just wrote down a couple of them like um the fur fighters uh was one of the bands on her ipod <laughs> uh lucky chomps instead of lucky it's charms a, it's yeah. a yep instead of lucky charms uh on her phone it's a it's a carrot with a bite out of it instead of an apple oh i didn't catch with that a one. bite on it <laughs> The and and this is the one that I saw that I I geeked out with it. It's a tiny little detail, but her um, uh, Judy's cell phone company. Mm-hmm. So like where like in the upper left hand corner of your cell phone, where it usually says like who your provider like is, T Mobile or AT and T or yeah, it's PB and J. PB and J. Instead of AT and T, it's PB and J. Yeah. I read that and I went, okay, see, now that I like. I like those little <laughs> jokes like that. Somebody or like a small group of people sat in a room for probably a week came up and literally it. just came up with animal puns for everything. Well, there's a, even beyond the the joke, like the uh, population of Bunnyville or whatever, uh, 
escalating as she's leaving town. But then there's there's a little more highbrow jokes like touching uh, Bellwether's hair. It's like, dude, can't t- yeah. you can't touch a sheep's hair? Are you kidding me? Like, that's a reference to never touching a black girl's hair, right? <laughs> yep. And that's a little. That's yep. a little more uh, highbrow, or I don't know if highbrow. It's a little. You have to have a certain level of understanding to catch what that joke's even about. Um, right. And uh, even even like the 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 quick wit of Nick Wilde, uh, like when Judy is saying, you know, uh, tax evader, you don't have a permit for. Uh, sales and you lied about redwoods he pulls out his his certificates like he's covered all his bases as a con man and like even the what about you lie you said it was redwood it was red wood space in the middle not a lie (laughs) like there's a lot of quick wit like that and and jason bateman being the one delivering it is perfect he plays that smarmy character quite well very very well very well done there was a couple moments though in the film where I I kind of felt like his delivery his delivery was making me a little sleepy because he is <laughs> oh, yeah. almost almost entirely through the film and this is a lot of Jason Bateman this is kind of this is that's the type that's just how he acts that's what he does a lot of times not always mm-hmm. but he come he he does he does that well just very quiet and just kind of like talking like this the entire time mm-hmm. like with no real <laughs> like energy or excitement coming out of him he just does that you, very very well that smugness maybe are you saying that if this was done maybe a few decades earlier that uh, bing crosby would have been the voice of nick wilde yep, <laughs> yep. he would have absolutely because it would have been just that smooth talking like oh i'm just i know I'm exactly a, what i'm doing that's con- what i do i'm just a city fox doing city fox things <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's a joke that confirm, confirms a theory you had from last week. We can now confirm that the pigeon from Big Hero Six was a Good Feathers reference, and <laughs> and that and that the pigeons in Bolt were intentionally Good Feathers references. I'm saying this is this is this is uh, verified by the fact that the voice of Mr. Big, the Godfather Shrew, is Maurice Le, Le, uh, Lamarck. Who is the voice of the God Pigeon from Animaniacs? Ah. So that 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 seems to me all the confirmation we need that the references we've had earlier to the Animaniacs have that's it that those were references those were not like just coincidence. <laughs> At last, we have official mm-hmm, confirmation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I I don't know how I feel about the Godfather reference. That is, I, I it works. I like how it's it. it it uh, pays itself off later in the movies twice, like by right. saving the the daughter's life with by the crushing donut from the uh, little rodentia <laughs> sequence, right? Uh, and that right. they you they they then um, uh, tie it back around to basically threatening Duke Weaselton's life to get information. Like I I appreciated that element of it, but I also feel like <sighs> is that a lazy joke to have a Godfather homage? <laughs> Cause see, and here's the thing, and that's where I'm torn. I, I I love I love my movies, and I love when a show or a, or a particularly a movie might do a spoof or like oh like a reference or an homage to another film. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has to be done. It has to be done where it makes sense within the context of the film. And this one, it's 
it's not like, oh, they're trying to kind of be the Godfather. I mean, the house is a replica <laughs> of the Godfather house. Yeah, they're, it's they're quoting lines, lines directly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in a movie where we haven't had anything else like that, and we're, what, maybe, I think we were, I think it was like 45 minutes into the film, and there hasn't been something like that, to then suddenly drop in a reference to a movie that at this point in time is... 40 years old. What, 40 <laughs> yeah, yeah. plus years old. Like, okay, yeah, it's The Godfather, and a lot of people know The Godfather, and even if you haven't ever seen the movie, you kind of know that scene in there where it's the whole, you know, you kind of know at least who The Godfather is, and you get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I don't think it was necessary for it to be such an homage to Godfather for 10 minutes worth of movie time or 15 minutes worth of a film just to kind of further the plot a little bit they could have done it completely different yeah and it would have probably still been okay i'm torn because it does work rather well in terms of moving judy and nick through the plot or specifically judy through her investigation but it does it's such a i don't know it's a derivative reference is what it is and i and i and that rubs me a little bit the wrong way Particularly because they they have found much cleverer jokes in this. We I already referenced uh, Duke Weaselton, voiced by Alan Tudyk, who's doing an impression of Steve Buscemi. Right, like that's he's doing a Steve yes. Buscemi voice. <laughs> because even to this, even this second viewing, when I watched it, I went, "Oh, I completely forgot Steve Buscemi was in this movie." Oh, it's funny they it's cast not, him like a weasel. Oh, that's oh, that's Alan Tudyk. So, because here's the thing: oh, so Alan Tudyk's doing uh, Steve Buscemi. Going right? so far, yeah, yeah. going so far as making him sound like Steve Buscemi. Why do a Godfather reference? Why not do a Sopranos reference? I just I don't I, you can't rewrite history obviously. It would have been more topical. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is <laughs> actually maybe it is better to do a Godfather reference than a Soprano reference. But I like the <laughs> the Duke. She calls him Duke Weselton, and he corrects her and says it's Weselton. Um, but I like the DVDs he has in front of him. <laughs> yes. Yes. See, and that's 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 a funny joke. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's all the Disney movies from. Like even the ones that haven't been released M- yet. Muano is on there. And can I? Yeah. Can we pour one out for Gigantic, the the ceased production uh, Jack and the Beanstalk movie that they were working on yep. that was going to be next in this library after Moana um, that they they shut down production on sadly. Um, but uh, gig- Gigantic is one of the DVDs he has there. <laughs> Uh, i just want to know why uh why at this point disney feels they need to hire alan tudyk to do voices (laughs) that sound like other celebrities (laughs) it's because we had him doing steve win steve uh, oh oh my goodness i not steve win oh ed Oh my, Edwin! Edwin. <laughs> I was gonna let you get it, Thank but it, we we only have so much time to talk. <laughs> we only have so much, and I've already wasted so many time, so much, so much minutes, so many minutes today, just mumbling and stammering <laughs> over my own dang words. Oh, uh, just tired, everybody. Okay, so they hired weekend. him to do Edwin. They hired him to do Steve Buscemi. You know, I don't care. I I love that Alan Tudyk continues I to like do this. To yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you can't say he's doing an impression of anyone in the next one. So there's that. <laughs> True. Um, is he? Is he He's he's hey hey the chick the rooster in the next one. <laughs> that's anyway right. anyway, that's right. um, uh, <laughs> uh, the I I like the however the dominoes fall in this movie and we we often will look at the structure of a screenplay when just and the story of the movies as we've we've reviewed them over the course of of this library and it's a cl- it's a complex mystery and it's funny because I mentioned last week that um, all the 
the Harry Potter movies are mysteries. All the it, it appears to me, it seems to me that some of the best fantasy and adventure genre films are inherently mystery movies and this is a mystery movie it's it's not exactly an assassination plot but it it sort of is there's a missing person plot she's a cop out to prove herself and she has to follow the clues using her wit and and nick wilde's con man abilities to unravel this mystery and she gets in over her head she she pinpoints the wrong thing and then it comes back around like this has a a lot of noir elements to it which from a Disney library perspective, we haven't really seen before. <laughs> right. And and I almost wonder, if, well, no, because usually you can't do just a single genre these days. You've got to mix it with other stuff. So what their their mixture was probably correct. I was just going to say, I would have really loved to have seen mm-hmm. them to go full-blown noir oh, you yeah. know, <laughs> like with this film. And 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 just make it be make it be kind of that old school nineteen thirties nineteen forties you know gumshoe like Maltese Falcon yeah. gumshoe type film like I would have I would have enjoyed that mm. but we would have gotten into a bigger issue because people would have really been like what the crap is this yeah I don't know that, like at least the one that we have is is better than going full blown yeah that's a that's a really tough ask of of at least yeah. this library really trying to do noir is already difficult because pe- so many people get that 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 genre wrong uh, yeah some of the some of the best noir movies don't visually necessarily follow the tropes don't make it black and white don't have the smoking detective you can have rick deckard chasing replicants or even ryan gosling's character chasing replicants or you can have uh, right. the movie brick by ryan johnson which stars joseph gordon levitt which is a noir set in contemporary high school uh, but then you can have poorly done noir stuff like I'm second, the second Sin City, and some would argue the first one. Or Ugh. so a lot. It's oftentimes that's a genre that's um, it's difficult to pull off, and you can you can you can find some success in, in really leaning into those tropes. But I feel it's it's a more difficult genre than some people realize. So by going more towards Training Day meets I don't know what would this be? I guess Robin Hood. <laughs> the Disney Robin, yeah, that, yeah, like that, that, <laughs> the Disney Robin yeah. Hood specifically. <laughs> Leaning coming out of the noir and going more towards the '70s '80 cop drama, I think was a, a wiser choice. Um, although, come to think of it, it might be interesting to see someone, maybe Pixar, maybe Disney, attempt to pull off a full-on noir. Hmm. I don't know. That, that would be that would be tough, though. <laughs> it and it, like you said, does ask it 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 does ask a lot from the filmmakers but it does also ask a lot from the the movie goers themselves yeah. because that's something like for them to release a full-on noir movie uh doesn't matter even if it is pixar that does it who tends to nail genres and and their films very well uh, across the board not all the time but mm-hmm. for, for the most I, part i think the most uh, you could ask for would be a short I think sh- shorts yeah. in terms of uh, noir, I think shorts tend to be more successful because it's you get in, get out with the tropes, and and yep. you've you've stayed because uh, you get a lot of audiences nowadays that are going to watch a noir film and they're not going to get it. Yeah, I, and plus, and that's plus leaning so hard in that genre as opposed to the genre we got, which is this cop adventure film, this buddy cop adventure film. You can't do nearly half of what they ended up doing in here. You could do the Godfather stuff or the, the God Shrew or whatever, the Mr. Big sequence, but you could never do the, the sloth sequence uh, in 
Um, it, it, this movie. Let's talk about the slot sequence. Let's let's get away. Let's, let's that, stop please? talking about the noir elements of this and, and talk about the slot sequence. So uh, I I said up front that this is a type of humor you either love or you hate, and torture humor when you do it right. Oh man, I love I love jokes that go on too long and then swing back around. The the commitment of a joke is. Oh man! So, <laughs> well, and what I think I see, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna lie. As much as I may not have enjoyed a good portion of this film, mm-hmm. or I just wasn't on board with it, this sloth sequence just made me laugh <laughs> very, very hard, very well, very much. I am, I am a big lover of stuff like this, like, like the, the again, okay, connecting it back to like last week with Big Hero Six, the the the, the sequence that we didn't talk about, but the sequence of Baymax's arm, like he reinflates it and it's just blowing out of the air, and he yeah, and he sits there for a good solid four seconds and just looks at his arm blowing the air out, and then looks down at the tape, and then Takes reaches the tape, for the yeah. tape, and then puts one on, and then looks at like the fact that they let that go out. That's brilliant to me. Yep. The sloth the sloth scene, they definitely pushed it to its absolute limit, mm-hmm. but it wasn't just <laughs> I mean, this and this is why it works. It wasn't just waiting for the sloth to respond. It was also Judy's comments <laughs> while waiting for the sloth to respond and her facial like uh, her facial expressions. Yeah. That's what did it because they pushed that pause as long as possible, but they still are giving you another joke in the meantime while right. you're waiting for the she, last joke. She's to land. the one being tortured. <laughs> yes. And then it's funny because then it kind of takes your mind off the fact that holy cow, this sloth has not answered entirely. It took this sloth like a minute and a half to answer its question because you're laughing at Judy freaking out over how long it's taking mm-hmm. them to respond. And that was just very well done on their part. <laughs> it's a it's it's a, a, a comedic element that uh, Stephen Fry if uh, anyone's familiar with the British comedian Stephen Fry has a very good explanation on the difference between American comedians and British comedians uh, to make long story short British comedians want to be the butt of the joke they want to be Judy whereas Americans want to be yep. Nick just poking and prodding and making this go on for too long um, just in general when you think of of classic British comedies versus classic American comedies and uh, I for one you're you're right on. Judy has all the comedy in that because of her reaction. That's such a great sequence. It's like yep. it's like the cop sitting at the table in the police station in Big Hero Six, who's just watching this scene play out <laughs> as Baymax is just obliviously fixing himself. That's 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 solid. That is some solid humor. <laughs> and it's so. And the thing is, I, I mean, that, that, maybe that's that, that says a lot because I do like a lot of my British humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do, I do enjoy British programming a lot, and I would much rather be Judy in that scene because <laughs> that would be so much fun. First off, it'd be just it'd be fun to play, mm-hmm. and also she is yeah again she is getting the laughs. It's not the sloth; she is getting the laughs in that sequence. <laughs> uh, we did just her like what, especially when she like lists yeah when she lists off the license like, plate <laughs> and the sloth just says <laughs> yeah. And we did get a tweet from So Yeah Hey, uh, and she says <laughs> Kristen Bell gets to voice the female sloth in that scene, which is true. And I don't, I don't know if you're aware of this, Jeff, but Kristen Bell loves sloths. Um, for those of you, if you're ever having a bad day, I highly recommend one of my favorite feel-good YouTube videos. It's Kristen Bell reacting to a baby sloth. 
if you see, so I think I've seen. Oh this my video. gosh, it, I've seen that. Oh yes, I have. Because she was, she wasn't she like on like pain meds or something when she was. No, that, that, no, she was just was so just her actually overwhelmed that a sloth was in the house. It's it, she was on. She was being interviewed on Ellen. On Ellen, please yep. check this out. I mean, I don't know if you want to throw it up on the the the, the website when we post this. You episode. know what, guys? <laughs> just for everybody out there, I'm gonna throw it up onto the YouTube, onto our Facebook, uh, or sorry, onto uh, our. Uh, on the page for this particular episode, yeah. and you guys can watch it on there <laughs> uh, on the Ghost Hat website because uh, I just have to. So the, the, the tweet from so yeah, hey, uh, in reference to Kristen Bell getting to her lifelong dream, of course, to be to be a sloth is worth mentioning there. Um, I another another gag I really like is the little elephant sidekick for Nick when he, they're getting the jumbo pops, like how they his yes. his whole scam is great, but that little that little essentially like baby Herman, you know, a full grown adult who looks like a baby, <laughs> yes. who's scamming with Nick is great i love the first time she sees it when she first puts it all together and he's driving (laughs) (laughs) you kiss me again i'll kill you (laughs) very well done and and just i mean it's it's so cute he is so cute yeah as the little baby elephant and like yeah give her a little toot toot there buddy Yeah, uh, the the oh. little Rodentia sequence when Judy is chasing Duke Weaselton as he's as he's you know he's stolen some turnips or whatever um, through that. I love that all the miniature rodent sized things like tipping over the buildings. It's that's a great chase sequence. <laughs> it is. Oh, it definitely is. That sequence is a blast to watch, and it's I don't and I was trying to figure out why. Like, why is that so entertaining? Is it just because it's too giant people <laughs> right basically through. running around this tiny little model city like is that why it's funny? yeah it just works so know. well it's so good it. <laughs> um i don't you know what this this movie has so much going for it i i understand your your complaints jeff but i i watch this movie and i i just i continue to just appreciate all the little details that went into this, the joke, the humor, the details in the humor, the details in the plot structure, the even the twist ending, uh, which doesn't really it's another twist ending. We have what we've once again in this revival era of having to have a twist. Uh, oh, yeah. Bellwether being the the villain in the end. She's got a pretty solid uh, plan and she would have gotten away with it. <laughs> if it hadn't been for those two meddling Oh, they're not goats. Otherwise, kids would have worked. Ah. Two meddling animals. (laughs) (laughs) Animal puns. I can do them too, guys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Disney, hire me for your sequel to this movie. Uh, Question mark. I also like that the the message behind you know being being told you can only be what you are. That that very cynical. The world's gonna crush you. Everyone comes to Zootopia thinking they're gonna live their dreams, but guess what? You're just gonna be crushed by him. Nick was right. Judy did exactly what he predicted. She ended up going back to the farm to be with her parents, and um, but overcoming that that being told you are this, you can't be anything else. I love that message of this movie that you you don't have to be what you are. You can you can at least hope to achieve to be something more. You can be a little elephant if you want to be an elephant. Toot toot. <laughs> you can be a bunny cap if you want to be a bunny cap. So having with you having said that, I I want that that's a good segue into what we have talked about in the past for some of these episodes, and it's being that would you show this to kids? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Let's 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 discuss. So 
would you, I mean, would you show, like, would you sit down a couple little kids and, w- and make them watch this movie? Or is this movie more geared towards an older, like, child, like an older <laughs> an older age for the children in order for them to actually sit down and properly enjoy I, it? Honestly, I, this, this, this is a tough call. And, and this goes to what I was saying earlier that I don't, it, because it doesn't follow the traditional classic animated family film tropes that we've seen in this library before, it doesn't have the musical numbers it doesn't have the wacky sidekick character it doesn't have a simple universal story these themes are quite universal but it it's almost too complex that though a kid might be able to sit down and enjoy the visuals of this movie it doesn't have the breakneck pace or the the kinetic energy of a lot of the other movies that we would definitely recommend watching if you look at tangled if you look at big hero 6 um, or if you go to the more classic, if you want to go back to Little Mermaid, or even going back further to uh, um, something like The Jungle Book, which Jeff hates, but I'm going to recommend for kids anyway. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> this movie, I don't know if the target audience. I don't know if I would call the target. I do know. I won't say that the target audience of this is is children and their families. This is an animated film for more mature minds. This is an animated film for lovers of animation. Uh, that have grown up. Uh, certainly, you could find kids who would be amused by this because it is a very good-looking movie. Well, I mean, it always goes without saying. It is, but it's gorgeous. This movie looking. looks so good. The textures in this film, the movement of these characters. Disney is on another level on moving these characters around. Yeah. Look, okay, yep. I want to go. the The movie that came out nearly simultaneously with this uh, was Illuminations Sing. Illumination Sing is a animated animal karaoke movie, and right. it is the low-hanging fruit, com- like lowest common denominator entertainments that your kid can just zone out to. I get it. I completely understand why a movie like Sing can amuse the people it amuses, but the complexity of Zootopia is just in another league compared to something like Sing. Sing is is bare-bones plot. It is just karaoke. Zootopia is trying to say something. And just visually, the way these animals move, the physicality of the, of the, of the visual puns of Zootopia are far more interesting and entertaining. So I would hope, if you had to choose between these two movies, put on Zootopia. I, but... I'm torn, Jeff. I do I'm feel- so torn. You need to. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like just saying, uh, going off of what you were just saying, like how visually just amazing this film is. I feel like that first, <laughs> that first, like after Judy leaves the uh, the academy for for Zootopia, her train ride through the different like zones of this of the Zootopia. So you have like the 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 desert land, you have the jungle land, you have the yeah. the, the snow biome. I'm sitting there going like, this is just Disney trying to show off its computer skills. <laughs> like they're just trying. To it's show really good. These amazing it's environments really, really we can good. do. <laughs> because yeah, because when they and when they go to when they go to talk to was it the uh, the panther, the jaguar that um, ends up turning on them in the jungle scene, yes, and, and yeah. then uh, that because it's like raining, so things are just kind of wet and jungly, mm-hmm. and it's at nighttime. Like it's that's gorgeous. Just the environment alone is gorgeous. Yeah. Let alone the the, the animation that the char- that they did for the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fantastic. That's spot on, and it's funny just in ten years to go from Chicken Little, or sorry, <laughs> to go from uh, um, oh my goodness, well, not Chicken Little. Well, uh, uh, um, no, yeah, Chicken yeah, Little. Chick- chicken, chicken Little was, like, was yeah, the, first was the first one, one. yeah, the first CG one. Yep, uh, but to go from like Chicken Little to this, 
and just the the level of detail and complexity that these movies have gotten in the CG world as they went along and just how well they've they've nailed and we've talked about this before but they nailed that hand-drawn Looney Tunes cartoon-esque yes. like physicality to the characters they get it they got that mm-hmm. we not an issue we we got a great uh, tweet from uh dave geyser a listener to technophiles podcast yes. dave geyser, he had sent us a video of how the snow animation for disney um it's a behind the scenes i don't know if you caught that he did tag you in it um which i did see yes, it yep. dave thank you for the tweet uh but thank the, you, dave. the amount of work that they put into creating the rain and the snow and the wind and the environments of these movies is just astounding all that being said though jeff that's for us. No kid is going to sit down and watch a movie like Zootopia and think, wow, that rain sequence is sure animated. No, that is a level of technicality that kid doesn't give a damn about. <laughs> right. So right. You, you asking, would I show this to a kid? I don't think I would unless I wanted to watch it. And basically then it's for me. It's not for the kid. Jeff, you have nieces. You, you answer. I, I asked the question to you. Would you? Like, do you think this is a movie for kids? I, um, so I don't remember watching this one with my nieces. I think this was, I think this is one that I watched on my own. I wasn't, uh, wasn't able to see it with mm-hmm. them, but I do know they did watch it. And, uh, from what my sister was telling me, it did, it definitely did not grab their attention as much as even like Big Hero 6 did, you know, uh, I personally i don't think i would not not i wouldn't show this movie to to like four or five six seven year olds uh because they just they're not gonna have the patience for right it because it's not the silly goofy flashy film that big hero six frozen tangled any of the ones from the last handful of years prior to it mm-hmm. this is not like one of those movies and just from the time with my nieces and my time around children of that same age yeah, they're not gonna. They're not gonna care. They're gonna get up and walk away. They're not gonna understand. They're not gonna be laughing at it because they're not gonna get why there's not a <laughs> lot of jokes in it. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, as a Disney movie, and I think this is where I struggle with why I do not care for this movie as much. I get the need and the desire for them to make a little more of a mature film and to to address some of these issues, these these big strong social issues. But it's still a Disney movie, and you have to remember who your audience is and your audience is not us technically <laughs> not for a lot of these movies you know you got to be able to entertain kids cuz kids and families are who are going to be coming to the theaters to see this mm-hmm. i personally think this movie is too scary for kids of a younger age because some of those attacks there's jump scares in this movie oh yeah some of the attacks on like judy or when they're in the the the, the research facility and then there's the animals that are when they go find the otter that stuff's kind of scary that's, that's pretty not intense good for a little yeah kid. it's pretty intense yeah. it, it, and it comes back to that uh i'm sorry i mean to cut you off it comes back to no, the, no, keep the, the maturity of this film is why i enjoy it but i can see why that is not going to appeal to the audience that might think that's they're getting in, they're getting into something they weren't expecting. Uh, honestly, right. Judy and Nick's relationship is one of the I love the development of their relationship, how it ends. I think it's really it's it's this very sweet, mature love story that we've again uh, talking about <clears throat> uh, changing the standard of this library. 
this isn't a relationship we've seen developed at this level before. It's if you look at something like uh, Bernard and Miss Bianca, if you go through the two rescuer films, if you look at uh, uh, Flynn and Rapunzel, how they they come together as a as a coupling. Um, uh, I'll go Jasmine and Aladdin, uh, Beast and Belle. Like there are uh, two people who are quite different who find their way to each other. Judy and Nick's journey to becoming friends and even saying they love each other in the end is, I love that. I, it's beautiful that they went through this journey together and in, in, in a, a far more mature fashion and a far more developed relationship than we've seen from <laughs> most of the movies in this entire library, which right. certainly lean more into the falling in love in one day situation. This is this is over right. the course of a, a very intense situation, then months after the fact, and we don't even know how long they've been partners at that point. Um, right. Yeah, because he, he obviously went through Police Academy, which and Police is, Academy uh, tends to last for a little like while. Like a year. That's months, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh, if, I have, if I've learned anything from those movies, Police Academy <laughs> lasts at least a year, yeah, guys. Police Academy feels <laughs> like years and years. <laughs> but I, I really like that, that they end up together in the end as partners and, and saying to each other that they love each other, whether that's a platonic love or a romantic love. I, that's left uh, left up to me to decide or the audience to decide, and I think that's neat. And going further into the social commentary or digging into into race relations, that essentially we're looking at a mixed race couple that ends up together in the end. Yeah, it's a, yeah. a, a what what one might even say are natural born enemies ending up together in the end, and I really like that. That's neat. And, and with all of that said, that you just helped me uh, reinforce my theory that. This movie is, should be viewed by, I'd say, the youngest that I would probably, I'd put a kid down in front of it mm-hmm. would be somebody like 12, 13 years old. Someone who, someone at the, the level of uh, maturity that could have a potentially have a conversation about maybe not the right. deepest themes in this movie, but might be at least aware enough to go, huh, uh, or, or, oh. or glean the subtext and absorb it and, and be able yep. to apply it into their real life. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to, but I'll really when it comes it. down to it, the, the target audience is 35. Yes. <laughs> that's, uh, yep. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> just saying, <laughs> just saying that's what it is. Yeah. This <laughs> um, well, so you yeah. see, I, uh, I do want to just bring up real quick. I have one trope for this. Okay. One. It, uh, I know we're not necessarily done with it. Yeah. I just want to bring it up before I, I forget. I'm going to say this doesn't I count. Do another quick, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Why not? Cause you totally know what my trope go ahead, is, go ahead. but I think it completely, Completely counts because they're wearing clothes, TC. Mm-hmm. But not wearing shoes. Yeah. <laughs> What's the trope, Jeff? It's a perpetually barefoot protagonist. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. If they were all naked, that doesn't count. I mean, they're wearing clothes, they're w- and she is still barefoot. They did make a deal about a nudist scene, so. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that nudist scene. Okay, do we need more further proof as to why this movie is not for children? <laughs> there is a nudist camp scene in this movie? With Tommy Chong voicing a character. Ooh, with Tommy Chong, ta- come on guys, is that this our, is not for kids. Is that our 80s comedian trope that we have yes, Tommy Chong? Uh, oh crap, I didn't even think about that. But yes, that should be. It's been so long since we've had that. Yeah, it totally yeah. needs to be that. You, that's, that's, oh. you did say you had one other thing? I had one other thing. I just wanted to. Uh, we we've kind of already briefly touched on it, but because uh, I know we talked about it with Robin Hood and with Chicken Little, but 
now that we've seen this movie and we're discussing about it, is this movie in our Robin Hood Chicken Little uh, shared universe? So, uh, you, do, uh, you want me to answer that? Um, I can actually. Let me explain real quick yeah. a little bit more in case anybody listening hasn't uh, doesn't know what we're talking about. The the movie Robin Hood that we watched, which was back in the seventies, mid seventies or so, mm-hmm. uh, way back when, <laughs> uh, was you know was basically a, a, a an a telling of the Robin Hood tale that involved anthropomorphic animals, and it's a world where it's pr- it's almost identical to ours, except there was just animals instead of humans. Right. And then Chicken Little came around, and it's very similar in that world. Now, a lot of Disney movies do tend to be told from the point of view of animals, but they're living in human yeah, there, worlds. There's no um, humans. Yeah. Right. 1973 yeah, Robin Hood, no humans. Chicken Little, no humans. No humans. <laughs> No humans except for the live-action clip of Raiders of the Lost Ark, which which TC brilliantly uh, theorized away as it's well, it's a movie in the world. And it's the equivalent of us watching a movie about anthropomorphic animals. Yeah. They're watching a movie about a human in their world. Mm, weird, um, but weird, huh? That's this is insane. But the, so the theory that we we kind of gleamed off of this that is a is it's online. There's other people out there who kind of agree with us. Mm-hmm. But the theory is is that. Uh, Robin Hood takes place in the same world as Chicken Little does, but it just takes place back in medieval times. Right. Chicken Little was more of a modern day, maybe, you know, like early, you know, early 2000s. Actually, that one felt a little more like <laughs> 90s, 70s, 80s, or like 90s. Yeah, actually in the 90s because of the references. Yeah. Um, so then the theory would be Lazy, stupid references. World, Sorry, continue. <laughs> uh, it was very bad, yeah. stupid references. So, and that was the movie I was looking forward to. Um, but the, the the theory goes now because Zootopia is the next film we have that obviously takes place in a world very much like ours. There's cars, there's buildings, there's jobs, police officers, there's there's Lucky Charms, there's all that sort of like iPhones, but it's all animals. Right. There are no humans in mm-hmm. it. So is this in that same world. Uh, one theory, and I do remember we briefly touched on this with Robin Hood way back and when. I'm almost positive we did. But the theory of that our main hero is a red fox. It designed like to designed directly after the model of, of Robin Hood from the 73 uh, Disney one. Yep. So... The theory is, is like, is that, and I guess this is also kind of a theory, but I'm leaving this in our kind of our discussion. Is this part of that same world? Do you think this is that same <sighs> universe? It's a little tricky because Zootopia is a made up area. They're not in like a anthropomorphic New York, right, or anything. Um, whereas like Robin Hood was very much so supposed to be kind of taking place in London, London. or not London, England, 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 England. Finland, in no. England. <laughs> yeah, so, what? Um, that's where all that's that's where all the sharks and dolphins live. But the uh, uh, fins, it's a joke. Get okay, out of here. <laughs> I could do animal puns, too. Um, All right. So but, does this so, connect? So, yeah, that's, that's, that's my question to you. Do you think it is? Do you think it's All part right. of that world? I want it to be. But there's one thing. Uh-huh. There are no birds in Zootopia. So hmm. either the only way then that Robin Hood and Chicken Little, which do they can connect, the only way Robin Hood and Chicken Little can connect to Zootopia is if in the Zootopia universe they have created Zootopia and do not allow birds, reptiles, fish, or amphibians through the gates because there are no birds, reptiles, fish, or amphibians in the entire entirety of Zootopia. It's just predators and preys. It's just mammals. So because of that, 
we need what's the rationalization if if we want this to be a part of the Robin Hood chicken little universe explain that <laughs> so that that's very it disappointing would... <laughs> because someone pointed it out to me uh, a buddy I was just hanging out with over the weekend uh, commented I was like oh Robin Hood he goes nope I've seen the movie a thousand times because he works for Disney I've seen the movie a thousand okay. times there's no birds so it can't connect I'm like oh darn you Matt <laughs> Which is, it's, that's, that's fascinating. There is a part of me that feels like Zootopia is, no pun intended, man-made. <laughs> like, it feels like, <laughs> unintended, mammal-made, I guess mm-hmm, you could say. Mm-hmm. Because it's this, it's this chunk of land that has very diverse um, biomes, mm-hmm. like, butting up against each other. It goes from a jungle directly into a snow biome, yeah. with just like a mountain ridge that like divides it. It feels very manufactured. Mm-hmm. So I'm going oh. on. A, I'm going on a straight. I'm, I'm stretching out here on the limb for for this for it to connect. Okay. So a part of me wonders <laughs> if so the Robin Hood thing happens. The Robin Hood thing happens back in medieval times. The Chicken Little thing still happens in the 90s. That's a small town, just kind of middle of wherever like right, it very right. much so could be just middle of america because mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. it, it feels very middle american mm-hmm. um and then you get zootopia which feels like it was a another continent created to put these a lot of these animals on okay uh because i mean there's a train that takes you from the outskirts where judy lives directly into the main city like a single line that doesn't appear to stop at any of those other locations, for that matter. Um, just goes just no, no one had tickets to those locations, <laughs> apparently. But so, like that to me feels like it. It is created because there's a map on the wall for Zootopia, and there's very noticeable just chunks of areas that they can patrol. Uh-huh. Also, it can't be super super big because a the train gets through it very quickly, and b they're able to go between those locations during the course of the film, drive to those different True. locations. So it's small. So it. So what's your what's small. what's your theory here? My theory is that it's a again no pun. It's a mammal made. I'm gonna say mammal made, not man made. <laughs> but it's a mammal made uh, island. Out in the Pacific, so they they made it and just they uh, uh, they ostracized any uh, birds from coming. In there? <laughs> go 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 the route of a Jurassic Park. It's covered in a dome. Hmm. Okay. I'll I'll allow it because I want this to connect. <laughs> so right. the fact again, that there are no birds there, they just, just weren't invited. This out of my... <laughs> yeah, they just weren't invited. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe they don't want them there for a particular reason. I mean, why why don't they want fish there? There are definitely mammals there on in Zootopia. Oh that... no. Eat Jeff. fish normally. <laughs> they've they've advanced as a civilization to the point of only eating poultry and fish. That's what murder, murder. If they're eating themselves. <laughs> you know, that no wait. You know what, Jeff? It makes perfect too. sense because Chicken Little is so bad that after that point in history, they decided there couldn't be any more chickens or fish after that, and so they decided Soylent Green is fish and chicken. Because Chicken Little was so bad, and who was his best friend? Who was, was one of his friends bowl. that helped him? Fishbowl. Fish in a yeah. bowl. All right. We've, we've cracked the code Guys, here, folks. Guys, that was a mic that just dropped. <laughs> if you didn't hear that, we figured it out. They have just, uh, Oh, man. That's it. Yep. 
There you go. We're good. We're yep, done. Cool. We're, we just end the episode right there. <laughs> I, I'm good with that. We don't have to. Well, do uh, why don't I head over to Facebook and see what people have to say about this Let's episode before we go over there. So yeah. every week before we record, we do toss up the episode for you guys to comment on if you want to address anything, uh, anything you want us to bring up, any questions you might have. Uh, so we do have a few comments here. Thank you, as always, uh, everyone who listens and comments. We love interacting with you guys. Um, I still have to go back to last week's and comments. Some really great Big Hero 6 comments from our, our fellow listener friends. Uh, but facebook.com slash top shelf pod. Or if you want to hit me up on Twitter t- at TC's Big Head, you can hit up Jeff at Random Bell. Yeah. So uh, let's take a look at the comment section here. So first up, we have Brad. Uh, Brad, I did mention you earlier. So uh, let's see. Yes. Why, why, why did dr- they have to have the DreamWorks style music number at the end? I agree. <laughs> uh, but he also, uh, Brad also says, otherwise, it's great to see Disney take a shot at racism and prejudice while at the same time making a cute, funny animal movie. This was a bit, uh, a lot deeper than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and Brad, as you've just heard us discussing about it, I, I feel similarly as you have. Um, uh, Jeff, on the other hand, does not. Hmm? <laughs> I, sorry, what? I hate this movie. <laughs> no, don't you say. Oh, no, well, I don't hate this movie. Uh, so Thomas, thank you for listening, Thomas, and coming with you as always. For whatever reason. Thomas says he's not in love with this film. Uh, he's not in love with this one. I'm glad they're talking that a talking animal movie exists about racism, but he feels like something ruins the breaking stereotype motif by playing into the broad stereotypes, the Italian mafia, the wolves howling, etc. For comedy, it's entertaining, but he feels like it got too much credit for what it was saying. Racism is bad, duh. Uh, he feels like Moana is more more cleverly tackles xenophobia and is more subtle, clever about it. Uh, let's not discuss Moana right now. Um, but in terms of your uh, feelings, Jeff, do you have any response to Thomas's feelings about the movie? Mm, nothing off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think Jeff agrees with you, Thomas. <laughs> 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 I agree. I basically, I, it comes down to it. I think I, I agree. I, think I agree. <laughs> Schulze uh, <laughs> says, thank you for commenting, Schulze. I loved that they took such a complex subject, presented it in such a way that most of the audience didn't even know what the movie was truly about. Not talking about kids in the audience, but the adults. And it's hard for me. It's hard for me to think of another movie like this. Um, and yeah, so it's funny. It feels like our listeners are are pretty much divided, like you and I, Jeff, in terms of our feelings yep. about the film. Um, Why it says as Disney's first original film. Of the revival, Zootopia is truly a breath of fresh air. So much creativity, particularly with the world building and a great set of characters to match. I, we will agree with them there. The world, the world that this is set in is just so beautiful. It's worth mentioning again. Just that's that's why the closing credits bug me so much because they had a chance to swoop through Zootopia for five minutes and they didn't take it. <laughs> um, but I. It, the first original film of the revival. Now, if we're considering Bolt the beginning of the revival, is this the first original? What about Wreck-It Ralph? What, isn't that an, or is Wreck-It Ralph not count because it's just homage to the movie? Well, I mean, I don't know. See, I still feel like that's an original. It's not entirely original. Yeah. Original. I, I suppose he but... he is onto something that this from its from its baseline. The closest things it's even close to is the busy world of Richard Scarry, <laughs> that anthropomorphic animal right. city. But yeah, I guess this is the because Bolt was based on previous material. Wreck-It Ralph is homage. Tangled is uh, uh, Rapunzel. 
Rapunzel. Frozen is the Lisa ice Robinson cream. is um is, a, is, is a, based is on a, a book. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Robinson. All right. Yeah, so may, maybe you're right. Why? Maybe this is an original, uh, the first original in the in the library, and um, I, I I definitely agree with you on the the look of the the world building here. Uh, Natasha says the genius of Zootopia is that it works on two levels. It's a timely and clever examination of prejudice to, uh, to prejudices to society, and also an entertaining, funny adventure about furry creatures solving a mystery. Also, did you catch the Breaking Bad reference? <laughs> I did. I, did, I didn't catch the I Breaking Bad it. reference the first time I saw this, but it, once it was pointed okay. out to me, I'm like, oh, that's funny. Walter White? Come on now. <laughs> it's like Walter and it's like Walter and Jesse are back. Yep. Like they make that specific line. <laughs> well, and even, even if they didn't say the line, I probably could have lived without name-dropping them. Mm-hmm. Like name dropping the characters because the fact that they were in a lab yeah. and there out comes a guy in like a yellow hazmat suit with a mask on. And they're making and a doing this making like, a blue chemistry thing. Like, exactly that alone <laughs> is a nice subtle like. Got get it? It's kind of like Breaking Bad. Guys, I like it. What we're doing. That's a great reference. And then just the whole yeah the whole like Walter and Jesse are back. And then like you hear the po- like they pound on the door and there's a guy who's like obviously trying to be Walter White <laughs> and is t- or is trying to be more Heisenberg. Mm-hmm. You know and he's talking he's talking with this like gravelly deep Arr, voice. Yeah. I'm like no oh, okay that's funny. <laughs> I, liked it. I liked it. It was funny. I love it. Uh, thank you for for commenting, Natasha. Uh, and then David thank Wilder. Natasha. I don't recognize the name. If David's a new commenter, thank you for commenting and listening. Um, yeah. Plus, they had a twist ending, like all them big grown-up movies. LOL. That's my favorite part. <laughs> As we've discussed, it's it's interesting that this yep. era of films has so many twist endings to it. And yes, this is definitely another one of those. This was not uh, what you thought it was. Uh, the the villain is revealed in the end to be to be Bellwether, the little Jenny. It's Jenny Slate voice in that character, right? I love. Yep. She love her. <laughs> She's so cute. Her voice is so cute, yeah. too. Uh, so thank you for, for listening and commenting, everybody. That's that's wonderful. Uh, do we have any other questions? Oh, you know, there was a first you missed, Jeff. This is the first movie. I missed the first. This is the first movie. This is from uh, our good uh, good friend, Dig 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 Hi Ho, over at Twitter. Oh. This oh, is the first movie in this library to utter the phrase, Oh, my God. There you go. Oh wow! I didn't even catch that. <laughs> I didn't either. So well, 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 uh, well uh, noticed uh, there, Dig. Um, well, fine, Dig. You want to just go ahead and do this <laughs> podcast too? Because apparently you're a lot better at it than I am. Well, was there any other questions? Did you have any other questions, Jeff? Well, no. The only other question that I have is of all yes, the movies sorry. that we have watched so far. TC, were you were you, were you purposely I, leading? I, me I, I set one? you up okay. for it so you could ask. Okay, good. <laughs> Well, now it's not, it's not the same if I didn't earn it on my own. Well, uh, well of all the movies uh, no, we've watched, movies. Jeff, <laughs> in this round of films. So those who might be tuning in for the first time, what we're doing is we're taking each movie uh, groupings. We're grouping them in 10, and we're ranking them 1 through 10 instead of having to rank 1 through 56. And currently in this, we are on movie number 5. And yep. of the five movies we've watched so far, Jeff, where do you rank? Yeah, that's right. I threw it around back at you. No, you- I cannot believe you no, did. Let that. me let me answer. And I don't. And I'm I'm certain you have your your ranking already. But I'll go first since you asked yep. me. So, um, okay. I, as I've said, as you as you've heard me talk for the past hour, I I do admire this movie. It's a complex mm-hmm. script. It's very. I love these characters. I love the relationships between these characters. And though it doesn't have the classic quality that the majority of what are considered Disney classics have uh, that I, I don't feel that this is necessarily a family film 
like the Renaissance era, like like the golden era uh, films that are remembered to this day. Uh, because of that complexity, because of of trying to do something different, and I think successfully doing it, uh, I I really really enjoy this movie. And I love the look of it. If you can get, if you can watch this on Blu-ray, if you can watch this in high def, yes. just absorb the beauty of this film. Um, if if not the the story itself or the characters itself, so I I was a, I had a tough time ranking this though because it, it really what the, it comes down to is we can watch this or this. What are you gonna watch? Um, right. And and it was easy for me to bump it up on the list over a couple of the others, but I wasn't quite sure where to place it in terms of Wreck-It Ralph and Big Hero 6. Like where to, cause that, that's what it came down to. But I think that really I'm going to put this at my number two. I'm putting it below Wreck-It Ralph. I, I love Wreck-It okay. Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph gets me. It tugs at my heartstrings every time. It may not necessarily be as complex of a film in what it's trying to say. It might not even be what, some of the classic movies have, but Wreck-It Ralph maintains that number one slot. But as as opposed to comparing it to Big Hero 6, Big Hero 6, though I did enjoy it last week, much more so than I thought I was going to, I think it misses a lot of opportunities, and it doesn't quite stick. It was, and that was something we discussed last week. Why doesn't Big Hero 6 stick? And I'm I'm criticizing Zootopia for similar reasons of, of not having those classic sticky qualities. But in the grand scheme, I'd rather watch Zootopia over Big Hero 6, and thus makes it my number two. So there you go. Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, so now I go to you, Jeff, and see where you place it on your list. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you said, TC, um, every time we do these rankings, ever, forever, pretty, much, pretty much since the beginning, I always approach it the same way, which is if it's this, you know, I have this movie or this movie, which would I rather watch? Right, right. And a lot of times that makes, that's a good gut reaction for me to know where to rank it on the list. And a lot of times that's how I come up with my final decision, uh, my final ranking, unless there's some very strong, either just personal enjoyment or personal love or some or personal hatred that pulls uh, you one way or the other the yeah, film yeah. <laughs> that just pulls you one way or it's just like nope it's this no question uh, no questions asked but uh, a lot of times it does come down to that a lot of times it is the one way or another now i mean i i know i spent a lot of this episode kind of just bashing this film because i didn't get it i didn't understand it now it wasn't that i didn't get it it was that i was not it's not the movie that i'm expecting to watch mm-hmm. and yeah I you know I'm I'm definitely open to new approaches and new styles and new directions, but I still even though I don't have any kids of my own, I still cannot help to look at this movie from the point of view of a parent or of a family and going, this is supposed to be a Disney movie, <laughs> and in my head, this is not a Disney movie. Yeah, and that kind of hurt it for it for me when it came down to my ranking of it. Okay, just in my personal enjoyment, my personal my what I got out of the film. I'm not gonna lie. There was a giant. There was a portion of this film where I was honestly kind of just bored. And I'm like, okay, let's just get okay. through this. Um, I liked, you know, I liked the Godfather reference, but then at the same time, I'm like, why are they doing this? They're better than this. Don't do a Godfather reference at, or a spoof at this point. Where are you putting so, this? I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. Yeah, I'm just like, like scratching my head now, trying to figure out where you're gonna put this thing. <laughs> so yeah, because I know, because you know what my list is. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's. It's still not the worst. It's not the worst movie we've watched uh-huh. at all. Uh-huh. Like, 
by a mile. No, 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 no. <laughs> not by um, <laughs> not by a mile. But when it comes down to it, there's other movies that we have already watched on this this series of five that I would put back in in a heartbeat mm-hmm. and just enjoy a lot more because overall I enjoy those films better. This is going at my number four. Did you put this below Frozen? No, no. Okay. Frozen's my number four. Okay. Frozen is going to be my number five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no, TC. I looked away. I looked away. I had your list in front of me, and I'm just sitting here scratching my chin, staring into the middle distance, wondering, where's Jeff going to put this? So you have Wreck-It Ralph, <laughs> Big Hero 6, uh, Winnie, the, Winnie Pooh. the Pooh, and then below Winnie the Pooh. And then, mm. and then below Winnie the Pooh. Because, honestly, even though, like... You know, I grew up watching Winnie the Pooh, and it is a short little fun little film, and, and you know, it is it is what it is. Yeah. But I would still put Winnie the Pooh on before I'd watch Zootopia. Fair enough. That is that is very and interesting. It's, 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 again, I'm not bashing this film entirely. It is gorgeous looking. I like, I like a lot of the vocal performances. I definitely understand the importance of what it's doing, like the, 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 the social commentary it's having in place. I, and the fact that this is a more mature movie, and I'm proud of Disney for trying something different and not continuing to do the same old, same old, same old with all with every single one of their films. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen that. We've seen them take chances and try things, and a lot of times those chances don't pay out, <laughs> uh, and they fall a little flat. <laughs> but I, I do appreciate what they were doing for the film, which is why it's way higher than Frozen on my list. <laughs> there's, a big, like, there's a big Frozen gap, is right? Just, <laughs> Yeah, there's like a there's like a 25 movie gap between Frozen and Zootopia mm-hmm. on my list, and then but then then Zootopia and Winnie the Pooh are maybe like one or two movies away. All right, um, interesting. Okay, but yeah, it's my number. It's my number four, guys. Just I it's I had a feeling our, I love Wreck It Ralph yeah. and Big Hero Six. I, had, I love those movies. I had a feeling going into this round that our list would be quite different, but uh, we at least we're maintaining our top slot. <laughs> our top slot yeah. of Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, <laughs> Wreck It Ralph is is the only movie we are agreeing on yeah. so far on this list. Uh, well, I'm, I. <laughs> Of course, I'm interested to hear what the listeners have to say, and you can hit us up on Facebook, uh, like I said, or you can tweet at us. Uh, let us know if we missed any conversation points about Zootopia or if there's anything you'd like us to elaborate on. We love getting in the conversations with you guys. Um, I've I have been having some really fun suggestions for what we should do for our last episode in terms of, <laughs> of questions people have about the entire library, uh, th- little, little ranking things people want us to do. So if you, as we're approaching, what is going to be our finale? If you have any ideas yeah. or any, any final things you want us to talk about, uh, send us, uh, you can tweet at me for those for now, or look for our posting, uh, for when we announce our fi- our finale, if you have any uh, final questions or whatnot, so I'll remind everybody next week um, when we get to that point, which would be what Jeff? What are we doing next week? <laughs> well, guys and gals, if you cannot believe this, because I still kind of can't, we are hitting our final movie of the podcast of the official uh, list as of this moment in time. Wow, um, number fifty six. That's it, gang. You know, if not including Wreck It Ralph two that comes out later this year, but right now it's our final movie, number fifty six, twenty uh, sixteen's the other twenty sixteen movie, mm-hmm. Moana. Moana. Yep. That's our. That's it. And then uh, yeah, that's that's our next week movie. It's gonna be. I've seen Moana. Mm-hmm. I like Moana well, better well, than I like this. Uh, movie. Hold on. Let's not get into spoiler territory here. Um, <laughs> last week I was completely wrong. As Zootopia was pulled off Netflix, but I do believe at this point in time Moana is on Netflix. <laughs> Guys, I tell. I'm telling you. 
somebody from Netflix is listening to this podcast. I swear to every that time that's happened more than yeah, a half dozen times. Zootopia, like where <laughs> Big Hero Six was, Wreck It Ralph was, Winnie the like Tangled was, yeah. Princess and the Frog. Like these movies were on Netflix about a week or two before we got to them, yeah. and then they got pulled. And I swear. Yeah. Moana is okay. Hold on. Hold look on. No, look right, right now, now at this air. moment. So, uh, yep, while I'm Jeff's doing that, up. if you have not seen Moana in a while, please give it a rewatch and, and let us know if you have any questions or comments on it when you see the post go up for it. Uh, and, uh, and next week, let us know what you're if if you're if you've been ranking them, which is I know not everybody is doing, which is perfectly fine. Uh, if you have ranked this grouping of six, toss toss your list up there. We're always interested um, to hear what uh, what you guys think in terms of where these are placed. Uh, and and next week will be it'll be we will wrap up the era. We will wrap up the six like we've been doing at the wrapping up of the ten. Uh, and then following that, we will have our finale episode. We will where we will discuss this library as a whole. Um, so just you know, keep an eye out for that. So Jeff is Moana currently on Netflix. Guys, as of right now, at the recording of this episode, <laughs> Moana is still currently okay. on Netflix. Let's, let's now, keep it I there. Now, I watch these movies on Sunday. <laughs> oh, no. If I, yeah. if I watch this movie, or if I go to find this movie on Sunday you know and what? it's gone, yeah. I am posting it in Facebook for everybody to know you, that they pulled it. <laughs> it, is, it is quite possible, Jeff, because uh, it's the end of the month. And tomorrow is the no. first. <laughs> so there is a chance that Moana will get pulled tomorrow. So if if that happens, please seek the movie out and find it. <laughs> uh, but quick, you know, Jeff, let's watch it right now. Quick wrap. Let's wrap this up. Right now. Okay, you go say goodbye. Do a commentary. Yeah, yeah. Say, oh, we're gonna say goodbye. Yeah, say okay, it. I thought we were gonna do it on the air. Okay. <laughs> okay. So well, thanks everybody for listening. And uh, TC, go ahead and do the thing. <laughs> Jeff, thank you for for this. I, I am excited for our, our episode next week, and if not a little bit sad. That it is coming to that, but uh, we'll 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 get we'll get there. So, uh, with that being said, this has been a podcast. We have been the people mm-hmm. you've been listening to, and this is our sign off. Congrats, TC! You didn't mess up <laughs> I didn't this mess week. It up. When you dropped your pen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Though, in all fairness, I don't know how. I'm, I'm assuming everybody who listens to the podcast listened to the entire episode. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed last week's ending of just the music swelling <laughs> and, and me yelling, covering us. <laughs> And you just yelling in the background. <laughs> oh, man. Stuff like that makes me so happy uh. to see. <laughs> happy accidents. This has been a production of Ghost Hat Media, proud member of the Ghost Hat Network. Find them online at www.ghosthat.net. <laughs> I like the ending. <laughs>